Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. High five the person next to you and you can be seated and grab your Bible. We're going to continue on in our series uh, that we're stepping into uh, over the last couple of weeks entitled Better. Um, it is, uh, again, wanted to say to, to all of you, but especially to our visitors, our guests who are maybe here for the first time, uh, we're thankful for our new facility. It is just a building, but if you've been in three schools and 12 borrowed homes and a studio and a tent that almost blew over almost every single week, and then a borrowed church facility, you'd be thankful for a cardboard box that has your name on it, right? And so we're thankful for this building. We're thankful for the provision that's here. Um, we're still in process. I know that there's ceiling tiles that haven't been replaced. There's going to be some carpet that gets uh, changed out and all sorts of different things. Uh, please bear with us. We're still working through all of that, and uh, we hope to be done fairly soon. Most of you know that we're already in negotiations with our, the owner of the property for the facility next door. That's always been a part of the plan since the first day that we stepped onto this property. Um, we're, we'll already start filling up, and we haven't even had our grand opening yet. So um, again, thank you for all of your support with that. Uh, our series entitled Better, you'll notice there's a URL, URL code always on our preaching screens, and that's because we provide notes so that you can go ahead and follow along, and you don't have to do it here in the gathering, but you certainly might want to have a follow-up discussion with your family. And I think that's really what discipleship is. This is not a spectator sport. This is, not, this is not like McDonald's. Come in, have it your way. We'll provide you the meal that you want, and then you eat it, and then you'll need a next meal. This is hopefully, because we're a family, and God is our Father, this is an ongoing conversation that ta is taking place in all of our lives. And that's why we do series, because there's, it becomes an ongoing topic and discussion that not only happens from the platform you know, into all of our hearts and our ears, but it's a discussion amongst our friends and families. And so by providing you the notes, you will find the 47 points available that I didn't get to. Uh, I'll also challenge you, look for things that you're like, hey, I don't know about that thing. Let me look at that point. Let me research it. And who knows? You might find that I'm actually wrong. Uh, yeah, I say I've been wrong a time or two. <laughs> so, so you're like... <laughs> No, really, it's true. <laughs> um, I, I, I have, uh, I, looking back on my preaching 20 years ago, you know, just a half a notch, a little bit more strong leaning into that truth would have been better. And there's been a few things I've said in the past that I, as I've, my growth in my Christianity and revelation of Scripture, um, test and see if things are from the Lord. And that's why we provide the notes for you. And you'll be able to follow along. And who knows, maybe set up a devotional night with your family, with your, with your children, with your spouse, and revisit that. You'll find that I'm introducing a thought to you, and then there's a conversation that's hap happening in your head. But discipleship looks like you taking that seed and you planting it into the, into the soil of your heart and being able to have ongoing discussions. So whether you're single and you want to get together with some friends over coffee or you're dating, this would be a great spot to be able to have those spiritual dialogues. So the notes are always available there. And of course, uh, jump into today's scripture, Mark chapter number eight, uh, a different verse, although this is part two of a message that I started two weeks ago. Could turn into part three. If you hold me up and laugh too much, I'll get stuck <laughs> on tangents. Okay, so a different verse. Mark chapter eight, verse 23 through 25. Jesus, he took the blind man by the hand, he led him out of the village, 
And this will be for the altar call later. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him, just trying to be biblical, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I, I see people, but they look, like, they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on him again. This is a great little blueprint for those of you who prayed one time and it didn't happen. The resistance of the will of God on this earth is so strong that Jesus had to pray two times. It's real. There is a fight. Everything in this world will do everything it can to keep you from experiencing God's very best in your life. And people who pray and who know the heart of God don't, don't take no from this world as a final answer. And so Jesus pressed it, and he prayed a second time, and it says, then Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything, say this word with me, clearly, not only with his eyes, but also, I believe, with his soul and with his spirit. His eyes were opened, and standing in front of him was Jesus. Amazing. He could see Jesus for who he was. So my message today, again, is better health care, because our series is about better, the fact that Jesus makes every region of your life, every, every nook and cranny of your life better. When you say yes to him, every area becomes better, including your health and your health care, part two. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word for those who are here in the room, for those who are at home viewing right now online, and for those who will listen in later. Lord, I pray that you'll capture their, their, you'll capture their heart with your heart that you have better things for them as they lean into you. And that includes for their bodies. Lord, we're stuck in these containers that we live in. Uh, sometimes we celebrate them. Sometimes we're frustrated with them. Sometimes they're doing well. And other times these containers struggle from attack or just neglect. But I pray, God, you'd help us to see our role and your role in our health and our health for the future. And I pray that you'll make this clear for each one. We're all in a different place, so we need your help. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Okay, so with that, let me, let me just lean a little bit into an idea before we get to um, a refresher from our last, last time together talking about this. There has crept into the, into the world this idea that somehow um, you being blessed and doing well is somehow not as spiritual as you struggling and fighting and, and actually suffering. When you go back in church history and you begin to look at uh, a guy like Martin Luther who brought about the great Protestant Reformation, you discover a man who really had a desire to know God, but in his mind had crept in this idea that if I, if I go without, if I suffer, if I starve myself, if I go without pleasures, that somehow that, that will position me better to experience God. And so he leaned into this idea, which is known as, as asceticism. It's, it's depriving oneself of good things in order to know God better. And with that thought, he actually reduced his, his food intake on some days to one grain of rice a day. He slept in a home that had no heat. He regularly went without water. He deprived himself because he was trying to tell his flesh, you're no good and and you need to be shut up so that you can actually begin to hear God. Now, the New Testament speaks of this idea, and it calls it a form of godliness that denies the actual power of God, that it might look on the outside like this is, like to have no money is really spiritual. 
in some circles. Or to be going through the dark places of difficulty is somehow the most spiritual place you could be. And it looks that way on the surface, but the Bible says it has a form of godliness, but again, it denies the power thereof. I've seen my kids suffer, and there was no part of the heart of this dad that said, yeah, 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 now you're becoming a real man or a real woman. Well, in my flesh, there were a few moments of that, of course. <laughs> but in, in the reality of that, just not the case. Because that suffering might be for a moment to learn a lesson, but you desire to see your children thrive. And so what Martin Luther discovered at, that, at a key moment with a revelation from God was my grace is sufficient. That, that actually the grace of God, what Jesus did on the cross, embraced all of the suffering required for you and I to be seen as righteous before God. And you'll never get any more spiritual than by what Jesus did for you. And so what I'm, uh, and not to say that there's not a value of fasting, there's not a value of sacrifice, those things are incredibly valuable. But don't mix in this idea that somehow the fact that you're suffering is the will of God and it shouldn't be cast off or fought through or resisted. Because if you buy into that idea, you'll be like Martin Luther, very, very hungry, and God is saying, there's food in the pantry right there. Come on, enjoy, you're my son. Eat, experience healing, experience provision. So I want to challenge you on that idea because there is actually some pushback to this idea that God cares about your health, that God would actually look at someone like he does here, people who are blind and actually have compassion and say, you know what, my, my grace is sufficient. Go ahead and be blind. He actually was moved with compassion, the Bible says, and he prayed over the man and healing came. And that is so often the case that Jesus was moved with compassion, that actually your suffering moves the heart of God, like any father would experience, and he leans in to bring about a better, better outcome. Now, the thing you have to understand with all of this, there's a partnership in that, that earth has to partner with God to see those things fulfilled, that God has actually sent his son to position you for better in every quadrant of your life, but you have to step in first to a relationship with God and then into partnership to see those things show up in your life. And your health is definitely a partnership with God. I, I would equate it to like money. You ever been in a spot where you needed more money, even if it was your own stupidity? I'm gonna raise my hand. I'm gonna raise, I'm gonna raise everything, you know, because I've been there. And, and I've watched God come in and, and supply wonderfully, amazingly. I didn't deserve it. And I've also found myself in that same spot again. And, but the, the dialogue from my father is that, okay, Steve, my provision is, I'm showing you my provision, but you need to show participation in right principles. And the same is true with your body. I've, I've needed healing in my body at times because of my own wrongdoing or my own neglect. And God has been so generous to heal my body. But there comes a time where you and I step up to the plate and we help God's uh, blessings to flow in our lives by being good stewards of the bodies that we have or the money that we have. Because when God digs you out of a hole financially, after a while, he's saying, hey, listen, uh, you need to quit digging holes. Right? Absolutely. And so you, then you learn good stewardship. And so not only do you have God's provision, but good stewardship leads to the better outcomes in your life. And so with that, 
Just a couple points from our last time together. You were created to live eternally and thrive in body, soul, and spirit. God wants you to do well spiritually, do well emotionally, do well in your intellect, and do well also in your body without question. A number of verses that we covered a couple weeks ago, but um, you can go back and research that. Second point was Jesus died to reestablish the opportunity to live eternally and thrive in body, soul, and spirit. Adam and Eve began to get sick in body, soul, and spirit the moment they sinned. And that was passed on to the next generation. God did say the day you eat of it, you will die. And everything about their lives began to die. Their relationships were, began to die. Adam accused Eve, threw her under the bus. She blamed the snake when really, I mean, that was never a part of the relationships prior to that moment. And then later on, they have children and there's pain and childbearing. And then one son kills the other. And so we see the death begins to attack every facet, not only of their lives, but the world that we live in. And I don't know much about global warming and all the stuff they're talking about, but I do know that this earth is experiencing sin in general, and what we're experiencing in our climates are the byproduct, ultimately, of sin being present on this earth. The Garden of Eden was a beautiful place that was uh, in perfect balance, and that all changed the moment that man sinned. Okay, I think if we uh, followed Jesus with our lives, we would find out that our world would change a whole lot better, and we'd be speaking to storms, and they would just flat out stop. So Jesus did do that. Okay, uh, The enemy is the author of all sickness and death, impacting the body, soul, and spirit. The whole idea of that you know, God wants me to be sick is like, I want a bad guy to break in and steal our stuff. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't have to send off to have the gene code unlocked by some scientists to figure out when bad things are going on in my life, that it is ultimately the byproduct of the wicked one, although people can be involved and I can be involved. But my own wrong actions impacted by ultimately sin can bring about bad incomes, but all of that is not the heart of God. And we've really kind of fought to help you to be able to see that in clarity so that you know how to pray. To know that God wants you to do well and then to be able to recognize that you're not doing well and who is the author of that allows you then to shift in how you pray and how you take your next steps every time. Sound good? Okay, next. This is a scripture we did not get to, so my message begins. Say amen. amen. It's about time. That's a very long uh, however long that was, 17-minute uh, introduction. But 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to pay for your sins so that someday you could go to heaven. The reason the Son of God appeared was so that someday, someday, we'll get to see him. Partially true. All these are partially true, but that is definitely not what the scripture behind me says. Giant letters, giant screen. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The works. The works of the devil that go back to day one. Oh, you will be like God if you taste of this. To the works all throughout the Old Testament, stepping into the New Testament, stepping in all around the lives of the disciples and Jesus, right up into your conception, into your, 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 your birth, and into your life. The enemy has wielded an impact 
Some of it through others, some of it through circumstance, some of it through your own actions. But the Son of God appeared so that right here and right now, he could begin to undo the works of the wicked one in your life. And some of the wicked one's works are been most effective through your own hands. The lies that you and I deceive and the things that we begin to do because we're deceived end up bringing about pain into our own lives that make us sick in body, sick in soul, sick in spirit. And Jesus came to unlock all that garbage and push it across out of the way so that you could then begin to step into all the good life that God has for you. And so the work has already been done so that you could experience all the good things that God has. Think of it like a grocery store that God has that you're not even sure is there because you're trying to see it, but that God has the shelves of everything Christ paid for for your life to be added to your life. And when you look at the stamp for what it costs on it, it says paid for. Now, you're going to experience it as you follow Jesus. You're not even going to know some of this is even there. But time at every step, there's a greater revelation, and the, and, the, and the fog begins to lift, and you begin to discover, wow, God actually wants me. Not just Jesus died for me, he wants me. You know, the enemy, that was one of his works. He doesn't want you to know you're loved. He doesn't want you to know that you're valued. He doesn't want you to know that Jesus actually loved you. And when he died, he died for you. He doesn't want you to know that you can actually be free in this lifetime. He doesn't want you to know you can be healthy. He doesn't want you to know that your best days are ahead. He wants to keep all of that hidden from you. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so in in this topic, lean into that. Lean into that when it comes to your own personal health. I love that verse. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy, not to fight against. He didn't even, it says the breath of his nostrils. I want you to give a little, not too hard. No snot rockets today, okay? Um, But just a little, little blast from your nostril. That's how much effort that God the son had to put into destroying the works of the wicked one. Don't buy into this. It's an equal battle. It's raging back and forth. The snort of a single blast of his nostril takes care of the wicked one in your life. As the steward of your body, you are positioned to maximize your thrive in life. In other words, heaven has already done everything so that you can thrive but you are now the driver of that experience. That really, instead of saying, God, I pray that you will provide for me, God has already promised to provide for you. What you really need to pray for is that you can be a good steward to navigate in Thrive. I mean, you could pray for God. God, do something great in people's lives. God already wants to do something great in people's lives. You need to pray for you. God, position me so that great things can happen in their life through me. God, I pray you would send somebody to my friends. I have. <laughs> you. Stop praying for your friends. God wants more for them. I, hear me the whole, the whole way through. Not that you, you stop praying for your friends, but start praying that God will position you and give you wisdom on how to function in their lives so that the things he already wants to do more than you want, he's able to do through you. We are stewards. God has already done it all. We just need to position ourselves correctly. As a steward of your body, you are positioned to maximize your thrive in life. 
some great verses that you need to get this. You need to understand that God, there's a, the heart of God is not for anyone to die, but we know the final blow to be stricken by the enemy in our lifetime will be death. Ultimately, as Jesus is putting our enemies underneath our feet, there's the promise the last enemy to be destroyed is death, and that day will come. It has not come yet, so likely you and I are going to die. There's some, some, uh, some um, other opportunities Scripture talks about, but not to confuse the matter, most of us are going to die, probably all of us at some point, and that can be something that is not fearful. We'll talk about that in a few weeks, but we're positioned to maximize our thrive in life because God in Psalm 139 has said, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows the fullness of our thrive, and my thrive is different than yours, but for me it's thriving, for you it's thriving. But Psalm 55 verse 23 talks about people not living out their fullness of days. It's a fascinating concept. This idea that, well, if it's meant to be, you'll just die. You're, you, you're, God knows your time. You can cut your time short. People cut their time short all the time. No, 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 the will of God always happens. Really? No, the will of God doesn't always happen because we don't do what we're supposed to be doing here on earth. We are actually the enforcers of God's will here on this earth. Sometimes the will of God does not happen because we do not fight to see it happen. Jesus wanted to heal people in his hometown, and he was unable to because they refused to listen to him. The will of God was to heal everyone in his hometown. And the will of God did not happen. The will of God is for every person ever born to thrive their entire days, and yet some do not. Because right here, Psalm 55, this is not the will of God, and yet it still happens. You and I are positioned to fight for the will of God to happen in our own lives, but in the lives of the people around us. Um, you know, I love it. Exodus, the, uh, uh, as they were leaving Egypt there, verse 26 the request was, Lord, fulfill the number of, the, the promise was that I will fulfill the number of your days. That you'll thrive till, to, to the end date. Even though my heart was for no end date, still you can thrive right up until the final place of that. So with that, let me talk to you about what can cut your days short and what can lengthen them. And I know this doesn't feel super spiritual, but I promise you uh, this will be very important right up until the last breath you take. So it is super spiritual. Your days can be short by sin. Just sin in general, your own sin, or actually somebody else's sin. I was uh, leaving uh, the building here on Friday, and I think it was Friday, and I pulled out to the intersection. I began to make my way up fourth plane, gonna jump on the exit 205 headed north, and as I got there, there were cones across the road and it's heartbreaking. I could see down the freeway a bit a covered body in a white sheet. I saw a motorcycle broken practically in half laying on its side, and I really couldn't see anything else. I did some research and found out little details. There was an accident involving a motorcycle and a van. That's all I know. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not pointing any fingers, but my heart broke because I could see a perfect example of somebody's life being cut short. And I began to think about my first accident and being ejected out of a car, and I wasn't a Christian at the time, and I, I, it really was the thing that brought me to making a decision for God because, I, man, what could have happened to me? I used to think I was invisible until, you know, you wake up and you're stained in your own urine and paramedics are over you trying to see if you're even alive. You will revisit your, in, your you know, your, 
your Superman nature as a young person and realize that I can die at any point. And my own stupidity, in my case, could have brought that around. And yet, Jesus steps in and begins to show us the sinful things that we do. There's things that we do in our bodies that may not be sin, but are cutting short our lives. And we live in the weirdest place ever in history and on the weirdest country ever in time to ever know that the the poorest of the poor are actually struggling with signs of of what was uh, symptomatic of extremely wealthy people in previous generations, that we are literally poisoning ourselves with some of the worst food known to man that's processed that's tearing our bodies apart. I'm not somebody who uh, doesn't enjoy a good slice of pizza. I fired up the Traeger the other day, and I don't, listen, the Bible says, rise and eat, so I do. (laughs) Those of you who are vegans, look, I respect that. I'm just going to be scriptural. I'm going to rise and eat, okay? I fired up the Traeger and cooked a ribeye, and it was like eating candy. It was so good. back there. <laughs> I, en- I enjoy eating food, but there's also food that I've eaten in the past that is just poisoning my body. Not eating because I'm not even hungry. I'm just, I'm addicted to the chemicals that have been placed in some of that food. One of the greatest things that we discovered, and uh, Shane and Kim helped us to find this out at the gym, just prep, preparing my food. So we do food prep every week, and we cook a whole bunch of food, of good food, and so now the last minute when we go to the refrigerator and we haven't thought out dinner, we go to open the door. It's not like, hey, let's, let's go out to eat or let's order another pizza. It's we've got food. It's prepared there. We've been a steward of our week ahead. And so uh, I'm finding myself much healthier because I'm actually planning for success. Kind of like saving money so that you can be generous. You ever pulled up to the guy who's homeless and you wanted to give him something, but you didn't have anything? The reason why you didn't have anything was because you didn't prepare in advance. And so what we've done is we've said, oh, we're going to prepare in advance so that when we're hungry, We actually have something good available there to eat. And so uh, sometimes the sickness that we deal with is not the result of sin, um, but it can be our just our inactions, our inactions. This is something that God has given you. It's like a car. You got to change the oil. You've got to fill it with fuel. You've got to let it rest. You've got to take care of your body. If you don't have a vision for that, please get one. We really like you. We want you to be here as long as you possibly can. I have, I have done early funerals. I have been in the hospital with people having pieces of lungs removed because of habits that they had through the years. And yes, I've prayed for them. And yes, they've survived and gone on. But I'm going to tell you, when they rip open this bone and expose your lungs to remove a piece, it is traumatic to the body. You know, the enemy can also attack your body. I would say that what you need to really dial into is discovering, ha- having a full understanding of what's happening in your body and learning to know when it's an attack of the enemy. A lot of things we blame on the devil is actually us. Ah, short, short breath, the, the devil's after me. No, just start exercising. <laughs> start exercising. It's not the devil. You are not the devil. It's not the devil. It's you. Amen? Yeah. Okay? But there's times when the enemy will attack your body or attack a family member's body. Resist him vehemently. Lean in. Don't take no for an answer. Don't take a diagnosis for an answer. Doctors' words are valued, but they are not final. Nobody's word is final. The word of God is the final thing. So your thrive can be reduced to survive, but refuse to survive in any of these areas. Instead, you want to thrive. 
Let me give you a couple of points that are on the board behind me of how to expand your thrive, to fulfill your days the best as you can. Uh, live for Jesus and with Jesus. I know, you know, you're like, oh, is he not like, what, is he like a personal trainer? Yeah, he actually is. He actually is. He's the most amazing coach ever. He'll keep you from doing some of the most stupid stuff. He will reveal things that you could never figure out on WebMD. I have diagnosed knuckle cancer before, previously, on my own, because I'm, you know, I'm an expert a doctor, and I was pretty sure that 90% of people who die, die of a bump in their knuckle, knuckle cancer, not calcium buildup. It was knuckle cancer. I was able to come to that on my own. Jesus is much better at that than I am. Um, live, for, live for and with Jesus. You, I, hear me. This is the thing I'm offering you. If you're not sold out to the Lord, I can give you, I don't know how much longer, but I promise you it's more than a day, a longer life. All you need to do is live for Jesus. I'll look you right in the eye and make you that promise because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does not have any ownership of something that belongs to the king. Second thing is steward your body well, eat well, sleep well, eat well. Maybe stop eating after 7 o'clock at night so that you can sleep well. My favorite of a bunch of bag of Doritos before bed keeps me up at nighttime, which I don't do that anymore. So eat well, sleep well, work hard. Being lazy will just make you lethargic. Work hard, get in there. Your boss pays you for your effort, your energy. Work yourself into a sweat. You know, this, sorry. (laughs) The Lord's primary focus is not your comfort or your pleasure. That's secondary. Way down the road someplace. Work hard. You'll find personal ownership in that. You'll get sweaty. You'll make your boss some money, and he'll reward you later on. Work hard. You'll find that then you want to sleep hard, and then play hard. Get out there and have some fun. Get a, get a hobby. Take some time off. Go on vacation. I'm staring you down, John. John takes the kind of vacations that are smart man's vacation and and happy wife, happy life. Okay, can I give you a final verse? Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to give you this final verse. Is that all okay for you? Good stuff? You know, uh, can I tell you a story as uh, as I read this final verse to you? Um, As a young guy, I was in a denomination, and I don't want to speak disrespectfully of the denomination. I walked into a denominational church at 18 years old and I met Jesus. It's the, it's the greatest moment of my life, bar none. To find out that there's a God in heaven who knows me and sent his son, it's the most remarkable discovery that I could have not found out on my own. God in his goodness gave me that revelation, opened up the curtains and I was able to see it. And that happened through a group of people that was in the making of several hundred years. But one thing that was interesting for me as a young guy, as a pastor, was that in my 20s, I was extremely young. Anytime I went to any of the conferences that involved all the pastors, I was like, I was like a child. And then when I was in my 30s, in their presence, I was like a teenager. 
And I'll never forget, I was about 40 years old. I walked into a conference and I had a couple of the pastors say, hey, young man, how's it going? And it finally dawned on me that in this crowd, a 45-year-old guy is a young, a young guy. And as I looked out over the crowd, and, and this is an assessment. This, you know, the Bible, this whole thing about don't judge is not biblical. The Bible calls us to judge, to measure things. It warns us that the measure I judge page with will be returned back to me, but I have to judge things. I have to measure things. How does the good, stu- the good steward had to count out the increase? You have to count. So you have to judge. And I remember being at one of the conferences and looking out and listening to these pastors talk, and it was just pastors together. Most of them were extremely overweight, extremely tired, So many of their prayer requests were all about them and their immediate families not doing well and struggling, especially physically. It just was a reality. I'm not throwing any stones. I would say that I was probably less healthy at that time in my life just because that was what was in my world. I'll never forget the very first C3 gathering I ever visited. It was in San Diego, California. I stepped into this gathering with a few friends of mine. The thing that I was shocked by, these were just pastors, but there were ages between 25 and maybe 85. It's the first time I'd ever been in a gathering of pastors where there was young and old and there was mutual respect for all. Nobody was talking about who, how big people's churches were. They were, how are you doing? There was that conversation. The other thing that I, I noticed when I looked out in the crowd, health-wise, I was on the lower end of the healthier And I was looking at dudes that were 65 and 70 years old that looked like they were ready to run a marathon. Not that at that age I need to run a marathon, but at that age I need the energy to pick up my grandchildren. And I looked at that mix of everything and it inspired me. You know why it inspired me? Because they valued their health. And if they as pastors valued their health, then their people would value their health as well. I value your health. Rowena and I, we commit to you that if you're ever sick, no matter the reason that you're sick, we'll be there. I don't care if it's COVID, leprosy, whatever it is. We're not, we're gonna believe God for your healing. But I also want you to know that we'll do our best to model to you what what is the proper taking care of your body, eating well, living well, being healthy, sleeping well, playing well, having some fun, taking some time off, all of those things together to hopefully inspire you that this thing is important. Amen? Amen? Come on, that, amen, amen, and amen. And I do want you to hear this. If for some reason right now you're not in tip-top shape, please, this is not a condemning message for you. I am yet to be in tip-top shape, as I've been told by my trainer. Yeah, I'm going to punch him, and I think he's outside in the other room. I could take him in a, listen, he didn't have, I'm just going to say this to you because he's not listening. I He challenged me to a race right here in this room, but after church, he didn't meet me after the bell in the playground. He didn't have, apparently, his magic slippers that make him run faster, and so apparently we've moved this date to some other... Oh, Hey, Shane, how's it going? I'll see you outside after the bell rings. I love that he wants... Listen, I've got dress shoes on today. I'm just not available. I apologize. I don't do races on Sundays. 
It's the Lord's day. <laughs> if you, if you would say, if you, I want to pray, it's probably every hand needs to be raised, but if you, you believe there's better health for you, and whether you're sick with a long-term thing, or it's a short-term new thing, or it's you just believe that you could do better in your body, or you have a child next to you that's diagnosis or something, with your hands raised, I just want to pray over you. I'm going to believe that God will continue to allow our house to be a house of healing, that he will help us to fight back the attack of the enemy, he'll help, help us to overcome the lack of discipline that we have, he'll bring revelation and allow you to be the best version of you. The best version of you will always glorify God. You'll still always fall short, but in that shortfall, Jesus is perfect, right? So Father, I pray for everyone in this room. I believe you for their very best. Father, I speak healing right, Jesus, I speak healing right now in Jesus' name. Age-old diagnoses to go away because of the presence of God. Healing to flow from the fellowship of the saints as we come together that there's just a healing virtue that happens as we gather. That God, there's a fresh new vision of what could be possible. This thing that has restricted me for years and years and years, I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna put my faith in the creator of the body that yet again, you can regenerate things. You can allow perfect healing to come back. You can allow my strength to return. I'll do my part and believe God that you'll do your part. We thank you for the bodies you've given us. You're able to save from sin. You're able to change minds, but you're able to heal bodies for sure, and we believe you for that. Father, I also pray that you give us a vision for people when they are struggling in body to step forward and declare your health, your healing, and we'll deliver it as we pray, as your ambassadors. I pray blessing upon your people. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for dying for more than just our sins. Thank you for dying so that we could thrive and live our lives. Amen and amen. Come on, give him a big hand. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.